Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of SAS District. This is your friend, Akhil Jabbar. And today we have our guest with us, Praval Singh, joining us all the way from New Delhi, India, who is the VP of Marketing at Zoho.com. So thank you so much for joining us today on our show, Praval. Uh, for those of you who don't know you, uh, who you are, could you give a little bit of background, a little introduction of who you are? Thanks, Akhil. Uh, pleasure being here. Yeah, my name is Praval. Uh, I lead marketing for Zoho.com. We are a business software company uh, spread across the world with uh, over 50 million users. And uh, my background is in, in marketing and prior to this, uh, running your own business. And uh, yeah, I've been at Zoho for eight years and having fun here. Awesome. Uh, when you say you're, so you're you know, involved in different areas of marketing, you've been involved for several, several years. Um, what would you say is your main area of expertise when it comes to marketing and you know, demand generation? Uh, I think I've, I've, I've sort of dabbled with different areas of marketing all the way from brand content, demand generation, field marketing, all of that. Uh, one thing that's close to my heart is, is messaging and positioning. Uh, okay. That's uh, for B2B SaaS products and companies. That's a topic that's close to my heart. And uh, again, it's part of product marketing essentially, which is where I started, but that's how I got into SaaS. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one thing that's pretty close to my heart. I uh, really enjoy having conversations on it, getting discussions about it, uh, talking to startups about uh, positioning their uh, products and offerings. So, yeah. Okay. And if, if you, know, you speak to a lot of startups and helping them differentiate their, their uh, messaging to stand up, how, how do you make that suggestion to them through their positioning, better messaging, and start to be able to stand apart from their competition? And uh, That's a good question. Uh, if you talk about positioning, that's where most SaaS products, when they come out, they get it wrong. Uh, and I think a lot of it goes back to how you approach that problem. Uh, to me, when it comes to that, the first thing I tend to ask myself when I'm looking at a product to take it to market is who is it for and why does it matter, right? As a product, uh, I mean, for a second, keep the brand aside and all of that, right? It's important to understand uh, who's gonna use the product and, and why should they care about it? Mm -hmm. So once you start with that baseline, you know, and you move on to something like, how would your customers describe your product, right? I mean, you throw something at them and what would you like to see them say about the product, right? So getting that uh, articulation in your mind, you know, and being very clear about it uh, internally first uh, amongst your stakeholders uh, and building that narrative, that story around that to be able to tell your audience, right? And it's important to get that uh, internally right first, all the way from your uh, CEO to, you know, your sales team, right? Yeah. Do they all believe in that story? Do they all believe that this is what the product is for, and this is what your product is not, or you know. So having that differentiation very, very clear uh, is the starting point. I mean, a lot of companies and individuals uh, start with writing a positioning statement, following that template that everybody has yeah. seen for so many years, uh, you know. But I think we sometimes forget to start with asking the right questions. Uh, that may result in a 
you know, better outcome sometimes. And I've been there myself. I've, I've made those mistakes. Mm. So uh, I feel that's the right way. And, and, and that's a topic that is close to my heart, like I said. So just getting really, very clear on, you know, who your audience and why they'll use it or how they'll use the product versus before actually just going out and building it. Um, yeah. So I'd like to speak a little bit more about, you know, before you started at Zoho, uh, I know you first started your digital marketing agency, Media Redefined, with two other partners you met with uh, on Twitter, I believe. Um, I'd like to hear about kind of what challenges you guys faced as an agency kind of growing from when you guys started to, to, to building to where it was and when you exited. Um, and then also on, on that one part of your partners, how did you know it was a good fit to partner together with two people that you just met online through, through Twitter? I'm, I'm curious on that story as well. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting story. And every time I think about it, uh, those guys are still one of my best friends, right? But <laughs> both of them are my great friends. Yeah. How it happened was, this was 2007 or eight. Uh, you know, we were uh, one of the earlier, I would say early adopters of Twitter that back then. And it was picking up really well in India, uh, I would say. So we were there, we, we uh, used to like chat. We had never met up before. Uh, and then one fine day, two of us met, and then one thing led to the other, uh, and then the other guy came into the equation, and uh, we just became friends. And then uh, again, it was not my idea, to be honest, right? I mean, one of them suggested that let's do something, and interestingly, both of them already knew each other, and they had done something around web hosting in the past. Okay. So we started to sort of build on top of that, and and thought of offering a service which would be something as simple as building websites, you know, to start with that mm -hmm. and then add other services on top of it, you know, digital, social uh, content, all of that. So one thing led to the other, all of us were in our, I would say mid twenties, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it was a fun ride and we, we were just in it for fun and we were enjoying it, doing some good work. Uh, and because we were so young, I think, we had this, we had this ability to make mistakes and, and learn from them. And, uh, you know, and we had our own share of fun that time. Yeah. So that's yeah. how it happened. Could you say, share some uh, key challenges that you've encountered throughout, the, I think the three or four years of the success and growth of building that agency. Um, and then also landing how you landed some big clients such as, you know, Samsung, Maruti Suzuki, among others. Yeah. Um, uh, Back then, running an agency, uh, at least in India, was very different from how it's run today. Okay. Uh, you know, we, things are a lot more mature, a lot more sophisticated now as compared to the way they were back then. And we primarily played into the social media domain, uh, I would say, and, and web development as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think over the course of three and a half, four years when we ran the business, right, we saw a lot of change where the brands got excited about social media as part of their marketing strategy. Uh, but for the longest time, that continued to be run as a silo function, right? There would be a social media manager or maybe the marketing manager wanting to do something on social media. And those days, these Facebook apps were pretty big. So like creating an app and then integrating that to your page and then getting those likes and followers and running a sweepstakes or a contest or giveaways, you know, those were the days, early days of Facebook and all of that. So uh, we kept doing that over and over 
for different clients. I mean, we did good work with one brand and then got some references and the other one, we made some pitches, uh, we were able to win some deals. So we got through that phase and we were a fairly lean team. I mean, at the peak of it, we were what, 15 people, I would say. So we were not a huge, big company anyway. We were a, we were a small startup. Yeah. But we, I think we got some attention uh, because of the fact that we were working with larger brands and we were doing some good work that was sort of leading into getting us more work. Right. And, uh, but over the course of uh, these three and a half, four years, we realized that social media continues to be uh, an add-on, a, a silo activity. And we wanted to bring that into the equation more from a, what is now called as customer experience. This wasn't the word that time, but essentially to have social media integrated into the complete customer journey from sales and support and how can we bring in product teams to take feedback and all of those ideas, I did not, I mean, I don't think it really resonated with a lot of people back then, uh, especially with our clients. Uh, We also did workshops with a lot of uh, brands and agencies back then. But I think beyond a point, we just got bored of just doing the same services thing. And during that time, uh, we also tried to pull off a, a social analytics product, which we worked on. And okay. that's something I was very, very excited and passionate about. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't really go to market with that product. Though we had a working version, we were using that for our existing clients, but we could never really go out to the market with that. Hmm. Uh, typically, what you call the run profitability problem, right? You're trying to... Uh, launch a product and make money out of it. But where the money is coming from is a services business. So yeah, we had those challenges and, and that's how I think Zoho happened. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I see that a lot with a lot of agency owners who, you know, they, they get kind of bored of doing the service work, repetitive work, and then somehow they spin off a product and they move to SaaS from there. And I think just keep running from it. Um, You also said, so you also said social media was hot at the time. It was easy to get people excited and, you know, start, you know, bringing them on as clients. I, I don't think it's as hot as it is today, what would you say is hot right now? If you could compare it to what, I know SEO had its time as well for a bit. Um, I know there's a lot of competition. There's a lot more sophistication. There's a lot I more... think in the last couple of years, influencer marketing picked up really well, mm. uh, you know, but then it sort of got towards, you know, the, the gray area of like having your ethics right with influencers and, you know, all of that. Yeah. But I think influencer marketing picked up a lot in the last few years, more so on channels like Instagram and, and, and Snapchat and some of these. Uh, the other thing that I would say has, uh, that wasn't as prevalent back then, I mean, of course, social media was there, SEO was there. Uh, these content partnerships and all weren't as, uh, I would say, prevalent back then as they are now. We see a lot of... So think of it like this, like today, a B2B SaaS company wants to run their marketing as a, as a, almost as a media company, right? They want to create these podcasts, these videos, these, uh, you know, storytelling initiatives and all of that. I think that part of social media has changed a lot, Mm. Uh, you know, and again, I'm saying social media because a lot of these things are being delivered on social media. Sure. Right. So this is a channel that you use to sort of uh, 
engage with your audience. So back then, 2008, things were very, very different. Hmm. And what was the decision like at the time uh, why you decided to exit from the agency and sell your shares in 2012, move on? Um, and I think that's when you started at, at Zoho. Yeah, uh, like I said, we were honestly like tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Okay. Uh, again, it was a partnership firm, so and not that we had raised money or we had anything of that sort, right? We were profitable from day one. Uh, you know, we were all young and we were just having fun. Uh, and we continued to build some good relationship uh, during that time and learned a lot in terms of how things work. And that also led to our understanding of what do we really want to do next in life, right? Mm. So uh, my calling in particular was uh, into uh, SaaS products. Uh, you know, I started sort of building a sense of affinity towards them. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. fact that we almost built one, uh, you know, made me more excited into, you know, getting into this uh, domain. And uh, so we moved on from there. Then I joined Zoho a few months later. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were about to start building a social media product back then. And that was sort of a, that sounded like a perfect fit. I mean, I almost started where I left off from my own agency and uh, it was a fun ride. Yeah. So we built the product from scratch. So worked with a good engineering team on that, uh, set up the initial marketing for the product, uh, uh, ran a bunch of campaigns, initiatives, all of that, got on the, uh, all the popular third party review sites and quadrants and all of that. And mm-hmm. yeah, the product continues to do uh, multi-billion dollars today uh, in uh, revenue. Okay. I, I want to get a little deeper at that that time of your life when uh, you decided to join Zoho at that point. Uh, you've exited your business. You had a gra- great track record in marketing for several businesses and entrepreneurship at the company. Um, so rather than going out and building something new, um, yeah, why did you... Uh, you know, decide to join them at that time? What was enticing to that opportunity? Uh, I think one of the things was definitely the fact that we built a product and we could not launch it, right? So that, that fear, that anxiety, that uh, even though we were running a profitable business, the fact that we could not go live with the product, you know, was playing on the back of our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I mean, the other options that I had to sort of choose was to work at, at some other large agency or some other company and then do similar stuff that I had been doing. But then what I thought to myself uh, was like, if that is what I had to do, I might as well do it at my own agency right. rather than, you know, joining a larger agency and doing the same thing. Uh, so it was clear that I wanted to sort of work on a, on, on a product, uh, you know, Mm. Essentially, if not build it, then be part of launching it, taking it to market, bringing customers, seeing some growth, all of that, and then learning along the way, of course. Sure. So that's what led to this, I would say. And of course, the opportunity was there at the right time. So, mm. so you started in a, I think, product marketing manager role. Uh, and seven years later, you are now the VP of marketing and customer experience, um, was, which isn't an easy challenge in any corporation. Uh, Looking back at that time period, could you identify what you could say 
led you to your ongoing success of you know personal and career growth within Zoho internally? Was there something in particular? I think uh, I was fortunate to get the right opportunities uh, one after the other. Uh, you know, I remember when I joined uh, as a product marketing manager for a product, that product was not ready to market, right? So it was still being built. So I was fortunate to be part of that process. Um, and then that also gave me time to dabble with other projects within the company at that, that time. So, you know, I was, so while the Spark marketing goal was vertical, I also had a horizontal role working on some of the other initiatives on marketing infrastructure within the company. And one opportunity led to the other. And then over a period of time, I sort of had a chance to dabble with different marketing initiatives within the company and got a chance to work with a different set of people within the company across geographies, across different cultures, different teams, different products. So, and again, uh, I think when I joined, we had 14 or 15 odd products, right? I mean, we were definitely much smaller than we are now. And we're at 45 plus products today. So I was fortunate to be part of this journey of, of growth that we have seen in the last eight years. Uh, and so that opportunities plus the experience of uh, working with different teams and products uh, just led to uh, you know, different phases of growth, uh, both for the company and, and as, a, as an individual uh, in terms of the projects that I, I got a chance to work on. So yeah, from there to here, these were just different projects at different points in time that I was and fortunate Was it to your curiosity that, that, that got you interested in different projects and different uh, marketing initiatives across it? Or was it just like, hey, uh, Praval, do this. And then you're like, okay, I guess I'll do it. Or was it just like, you know, I'm kind of curious. Let me, let me play with this. Let me, hey guys, why don't we try this? And then, you know, it gave you some kind of attention that this guy knows what he's talking about. I think uh, an honest answer would be a mix of both, right? Okay. I mean, what happens is if you are curious towards doing a few things beyond your scope, right? Uh, people want to give you more work. Right? Mm -hmm. And then that's how you demonstrate that you are able to do things beyond your comfort zone sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've always been a, a, a curious kind. So would I've always enjoyed dabbling with different things at different points in time, uh, technology and marketing, all of that. And the other part of it is, of course, uh, there were these pockets of opportunities that kept coming and I was fortunate to be able to grab some of them. And then one after the other, they kept coming and I, I tried to do some of them right and messed up some of them probably. But overall, I think we managed to, to pull off uh, most of the projects that we did together with the teams that I work with. Got it. Um, so you've worked both in an agency setting um, and then you've worked with several companies as your clients, as an agency. Um, how does the marketing strategy change or evolve as you work and lead through, through the large corporations that you work with versus like, uh, you know, when you first joined SaaS business, uh, Soho at the time? I think, um, during my agency experience, we were working with very big companies and they operate very differently. Uh, not just because they're so big, but also because the kind of products that they sell, right? So for example, with Samsung, we used to work with teams 
that were responsible for mobile and televisions and I think HVAC divisions. So those are like physical products, right? Mm-hmm. Which have a very different way to go to market, right? And mm-hmm. and then you have things like brand ambassadors and you have a sales channel and you know, there's a lot going on there to take those products to market. Mm-hmm. Most of the mobile companies operate through some channel uh, partners and all of that. Uh, and marketing there was more, uh, a lot of marketing essentially was advertising, I would say, at least back then with these mm-hmm. larger companies. And then outdoor, uh, you know, you would see these outdoor media and all of that being there. And social digital was just a bit of it, like in Sanam there, you know, and back then, not many people in India were buying phones on Amazon or Flipkart or any of them. Sure. So uh, it was a very different play altogether. The whole game was about being creative with your uh, initiatives or campaigns or contests, your uh, messaging. So that's how it was, right? Mm. When I switched to SaaS, this was a completely different ball game, right? We're talking about here demand generation. We're talking about product marketing. We're talking about uh, events, field marketing, you know, none of this is what we used to do back in the day. So it was, that's how it was good learning for, for me individually. Right. I mean, I picked mm-hmm. up all of this on the job, uh, had some really good mentorship, uh, early on and that's how it was fun. And that's how it was not repetitive. So this, there's a strong, uh, contrast between the way we help with marketing, uh, for larger brands and how I was able to market products, B2B SaaS products at Zoho. Mm. Uh, very different ways of uh, achieving what you're trying to achieve. Again, this is a software. Um, so you're, you're essentially selling subscriptions, uh, you know, yeah. offering a freemium model for people to come and try your products. And then how do you, how do you convert them? How do you upsell them? How do you cross sell them? All of that. It's a completely different play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. So from my understanding, I, I, from Zoho, uh, they were a completely bootstrapped company that has never taken external capital with the main reason being that the founder and CEO, uh, hopefully I pronounced this properly, Sridhar Vembu, uh, he mm-hmm. never wanted to feel pressure or even consider to exit. I think I read that somewhere. Um, this is a different mentality than many early stage founders who dream of an exit to define their success. Um, what advice would you give to early startup founders around this thinking and, you know, both that, that contrast of thinking and do you have any suggestions around what they sh- how they should approach it instead? Okay. Uh, this is a very, this question keeps coming up on and off with, okay. uh, you know, uh, and people talk to us at Zoho. Uh, yeah. Sridhar has had this, uh, you know, he's built this company with a mindset of, being able to do work that we enjoy doing and then do it for as long as we can and without a goal for an exit, right? So we're trying to build something that we see growing in the long run, right? And the company essentially has been around for close to 25 years now. Mm-hmm. So uh, Zoho as a brand uh, came up much later, uh, the SaaS brand but the company has been around for uh, 24, 25 years now. And it was always built for the long haul. And 
again, that's a mindset that defines many things, that defines A, who we are, that defines what really matters to us as a company, and that defines how we treat our customers. Uh, more so because when you don't have an external pressure, uh, you sort of, your investor is your customer. Yeah. Right. So you're thriving on the money that you make selling your products. Right. And not just that, uh, we've always had this conscious approach to not serve ads within our products, including the free editions of our products. So what mm -hmm. that means is we're not an advertising company. That also means that we don't need to track your data to sell it, track your behavior to sell it to advertising agencies or any third party companies because we don't make any money out of that because that's not the business model. And the business model is very straight and upfront, which is we make software, we uh, offer them on a 15 day free trial, which is the premium model. Um, and then when people try and use the software, they like it, they buy it. And with that, we make money. And with that, we do more investment into making more products or making our current products better. Mm. And this simple philosophy has sort of worked out for us. You know, it may or may not work for somebody else and somebody else may choose to do it differently, right? I mean, you could be a startup founder wanting to build something and exit in five years or 10 years, right? And that's perfectly fine. That's just a mindset. There's no right or wrong way about it, mm. right? I mean, we don't think of it that way that doing, doing business that way is wrong. That's not the case. It's just that uh, the company Zoho was formed in, with certain values and, and mindset. And it happened to be a bootstrap mindset, which may now in the hindsight appear cool, uh, but the intent was not that. The intent was mm -hmm. to do business, uh, build a sustainable business, uh, you know, and we've talked about sustainability in business in many ways. It's not just one thing of not taking, uh, not raising money, but in various ways of uh, looking at sustainability all the way from the way we hire people, the way we, uh, retain people the way we look at our customers or something as trivial as the way we look at expansion, global expansion in terms of our office real estates and things like that, right? So mm. there's a lot being said and written about that, uh, you know, on the internet. Interesting. So I, I can imagine you guys, uh, you know, a lot of your decision making when you're, you know, whether it's investing in product, thinking about how to treat your customer, uh, you know, whatever it is, I think you can, ignore the short-term gains and look at it as a long-term, I think that makes a big difference in how you approach it. So I think that's a, that's an interesting approach, I think. Um, what is Zoho's strategy to position itself, to differentiate itself from the competitors? Let's say like, you know, CRMs, you have, uh, you know, HubSpot um, or others computers, because I know, I know Zoho has a big kind of ecosystem of, uh, within their suite. So then you have your social media, you know, tool such as, you know, Buffer, Hootsuite, um, how do you differentiate all those pieces? Because I know you're pretty involved in that with, with the competitors. So the answer to that question lies in the question itself. Uh, we are building a suite uh, of products which, are, which we believe should coexist, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's what we call uh, 
Zoho One as the operating system for business, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about that line, the operating system for business, it stands for a thing or two, right? Uh, when you pick up an iPhone, for example, right? Uh, you buy an iPhone, you don't have to go and buy a, a browser or a mail client or a calendar app. You know, you may choose to, but it all exists together and it works seamlessly with each other, right? So think of that phone example or look at a, an example as a car. When you go and buy a car, you don't go and buy a separate steering wheel or a, or a seat or a gearbox, right? Or an air conditioner. It's all part of the package. And, and then of course, some people might want to upgrade, change, uh, have some preferences to sort of include or add something to it. Mm -hmm. But so we look at software uh, as a tool set or as a enabler to get work done uh, for businesses. And now, given the way we are working today, the modern web worker, if I put it that way, uh, anybody who's using the internet to get some work done, be it as simple as sending an email or hosting a website or uh, using a CRM, we try to look at it in a very different way. For us, a CRM is not just a CRM. It's not just a record. It's not just a database of customer records. It's beyond that. So you have your data. What can you do with that, right? Mm. Uh, is there a way where I can know or where I can attribute my ad spends with my customer revenue, with my churn, uh, you know, all the way from my sales support, finance, you know, across functions in a single dashboard, right? I mean, I know there are ways to do that. You can, you can pick up five tools from five different vendors and duct tape them to, you know, make it work. But we've all seen how it works. Hmm. So, and I would say this was only possible because we were in it for the long haul, right? Which ties back to the previous question that you had, right? Because we are in the long run, uh, we're able to produce uh, you know, solutions, create uh, applications with under um, on a common stack uh, as a framework. Uh, mm -hmm. We own the entire software stack that we have all the way from data centers to the application there. We own it all. Uh, you know, we don't run our, applica our applications on other public, uh, uh, what do you call, cloud services. Mm -hmm. cool. So the idea is to give that experience of an, uh, what you call a unified solution, uh, you know, which takes care of different business functions, uh, removes silos. And then you have a CRM, let's say, that talks to your accounting software. You have an email uh, delivery or an email marketing software that talks to your marketing automation software. Like This is all connected, right? So you right. can use, so when, when these two softwares or these softwares talk to each other, you know, that's where, you get to do interesting things, right? In terms mm -hmm. of beat analytics or beat ability to perform an action or all of that. So, and I think that brings us, uh, you know, at a unique spot of being able to offer an experience which no one else can, uh, all the way from uh, sales, marketing, HR, finance, back office, all of that, uh, productivity and collaboration suite, and all of that. Uh, so, A, it gives you that experience of uh, using software that is uh, offers a unified experience. B, uh, all of that comes at a very affordable price put together, right? I mean, buying each of these 45 different applications from 45 vendors, if you put together, 
is going to be a lot more than what you would pay for Zoho One license. Right. Right. So there is an upfront cost and value optimization for a end customer as well. Mm. So I think that puts us in a in a unique spot there when you talk about competitors in the market. Makes sense. Yeah, you have a basically an all-in-one ecosystem of, of platforms. You have everything you need uh, within one system, one login, one one. Yeah. Uh, instead of having instead of having Zapier to yeah, kind of like you said, duct tape everything together, and then even then yeah. it's missing missing information, and then you still have to go in and log in at some point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I believe you helped build Zoho Social, the social media management tool from scratch or very early on when you first joined Zoho in 2012. How is that experience different, uh, you know, with the corporation uh, versus, you know, building within your own team and making it from idea stage to, to product? So I know you have, because I guess, you know, you, you were able to build your team. You probably had some resources more so than if you were to build it from, from scratch, right? I think... Uh my first role at Zoho uh, with the social team was more on the product marketing side, less the engineering. But yeah, I was fortunate to work with uh, some really good engineers uh, who were part of the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, early on, what uh, the value that I could bring to the team was, uh, you know, uh, a good market understanding because that's where I was coming from, right? And and the gaps that the current products had, so. That's how I look at it. My, my early days at Zoho were about bringing what the market really lacks or has and how can we make it better? How can we package it better? How can we come up with a solution? Uh, you know, for, I mean, something as uh, simple as a lot of agencies using social media tools back then, right? I mean, yeah. so how can we bring something that is unique for agencies? That mm-hmm. was a problem statement that we were discussing, you know, like, can we, can we do something unique where uh, agencies can benefit from what we offer? And then it came on to, so what are the challenges that the agencies face, right? And one typical use case was, and that we faced it ourselves, was when you have an agency, you have 20 people working on five different accounts. How do you make sure that you don't make mistakes, you know, in terms of uh, cross-posting or, you know, how do you ensure there's a, uh, a role assignment done for every brand that you handle or every client that you manage. So all these, uh, you know, they may sound very trivial uh, or, or very tactical, but then when these come into product as a, as a capability, you know, that's sort of, and I, if I, as an agency, look at those capabilities, I'm like, oh my God, this is something that I really wanted. Yeah. Right. So that aha moment, what you call. So we were able to bring in some of that early on, I think, you know, and uh, yeah, and that experience was very, very different from my earlier experience of running an agency because there, while we were doing interesting projects in, in a very fast-paced environment, we were not essentially building a product. We were not essentially, uh, you know, uh, building a subscription business, right? So right. we would have a few large customers at a uh, point in time and we would service them we would ideate with them we would do projects for them but that was that was pretty much it right mm. here when you own the full funnel the full full cycle of a you know from putting the word out bringing in the customers uh you know nurturing them supporting them you know then meeting them at your user conferences and you know so it's a very very different experience i would say yeah. sure 
Do you remember what marketing strategies worked well for you, for you guys to generate the success and traction uh, with that specific product at the time? Yeah, I mean, I think we did we did a lot of stuff. So early on, I think, our, I mean, I would say our focus was on doing a lot of awareness initiatives, top of the funnel, uh, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like social media content, all of that. Uh, and then slowly and slowly, we started venturing into we did events, uh, you know, trade shows and things like that. And then we graduated into more of PR and, and influencers and, you know, talk, working with, as the product got matured, we were able to sh sort of, uh, you know, talk about our story, talk about the capabilities of the product with, uh, you know, media uh, analysts and all of that. And then mm -hmm. uh, as a user base grew, we were able to sort of be on the map you know, we talk about the quadrants and all of that. So yeah, it sort of, it was gradual, I would say, you know, of course, all of that was also, uh, you know, uh, that involved SEO, PPC AdWords early on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then building that social community, uh, you know, over time, you know, as we got mature, as more people uh, heard about us, they started using our product. There was this, small little vibe around who we are, how are we trying to do things different for that product, that market. And then uh, at some point in time, you know, we realized that when we are competing against established players, we need to have a strong sales and implement teams as well. So creating product specific content or uh, infographics and decks and you know, customer stories, testimonials, case studies, video, you know, testimonials. So that's how we graduated, I would say. We didn't really start doing everything in the first year, you know, we, we mm -hmm. gradually, and then small things like, like editing or tweaking your onboarding emails, for example, right? Mm -hmm. These were small things that led to considerable amount of uh, change in adoption, change in onboarding, you know, change in conversions. So it was all good experimentation, I think, that we believed in, and we were fairly successful um, with, if not all, at least most of what we did early on. Makes sense. So start on top of the funnel, uh, trying to bring more awareness to your to your product, mm -hmm. then kind of focused on the middle of the funnel through you know events, uh, you know different different pieces of content, and then uh, really when your product started to develop, uh, tweaking it to improve the onboarding, the experience, and I guess now it's a lot more focused on. Absolutely. And one other thing that, you know, that uh, worked well for us was, and it continues to work for us, I would say. So when at Zoho, we launch a new product, right? We don't have to start marketing it from scratch in some ways. I mean, in many right. ways you have to do that. We have to establish who, what the product is for. But then when you, when somebody sees uh, a new product from Zoho, they have some sense of what to expect in the sense like, what is Zoho? We don't have to answer that question, thankfully mm -hmm. now, uh, as much as we had to do it, you know, in early days. So, and that also leads to, you know, you have your existing customers as sometimes your early adopters because, you know, they're already using a couple of Zoho products. They get exposed to your product sometimes early on. Uh, we do uh, early access with sometimes existing customers. Uh, so you have this initial base of customers uh, oftentimes coming from your current Zoho customers, right? And then you mm -hmm. have, uh, and as 
customers discover that these products integrate well with each other. There are use cases where you could, for example, for social, one of some of our biggest integrations were, uh, you know, integration with CRM, for example. Okay. Right. Or integration with Facebook lead ads. Right. So CRM integration immediately opened doors for all our CRM customers that needed a social media tool to look no further. Right. Because the integration was native. It worked well. It solved for certain use cases and it was at a, at a you know, great offer, a great value for money that uh, we were providing. So that also played a huge role and it continues to do that for any of the products that we launch. Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. hi- hypothetically, if you were to build a completely new startup today, uh, as a marketer, what industry and what you, based on what you know now, what industry would you focus on and how do you validate the product as quickly as possible and gain that traction? Okay, that's a, <laughs> that's a weird question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If I had to build something today, maybe that would be in the space of remote work. You know, okay. uh, and I, with that, I don't just mean remote working tools, but the whole philosophy and culture of working remotely cool. all the way from how it, how it affects your mental health, uh, you know, to how conversations matter, real FaceTime matters, right? So along these lines, I've, I've sort of been brewing some thoughts on more on like, how we tell this narrative, how we talk about this, not on the product side, but I think as much as the remote work is getting hyped, right? There's another side to it, which is a lack of human connect face-to-face conversations. And a lot of people have realized that in the last couple of months of, you know, being holed up uh, at their homes. Uh, I have worked remotely for the last eight years, but again, working remotely doesn't mean working from home all the time because with all the travel, the ability to meet your friends and colleagues around the world, uh, that was very different from being just at home. But what this has done is it has exposed a lot of people to be able to work remotely. And if I was to do something in this, you know, I would probably think of this space uh, only because I've been doing it for a while. I've worked with distributed teams around the world. Uh, I've enjoyed it. And there's definitely some merit to that. But then I do value offline connections a lot. So maybe something around that. But then I don't really have a product idea up front. So if that's what we're expecting, I'm sorry. No, no, that's perfect. Actually, that's a a very good point. Yeah, I've, I've also been in the, you know, working remotely now for about five or six years now. Initially, you know, super excited. You get to work from home in my underwear. Uh, you know, work at coffee shops. And then now, you know, I'm here at, at an office, you know, even though there's, there's barely anybody here, um, I need that interaction. I need, I, I need a, you know, whether, no matter where I am in the world, I'll, I'll find a co-working space or whatever. I just need to go and yeah. interact with people. I'll still work on my laptop and be quiet and do my work. But yeah, not, mm-hmm. nothing beats, uh, you know, having some people. I think, you know, th- this is great over Absolutely. Zoom. Uh, but, you know, if you we were doing this in person, I'm sure we'd enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what's next for Zoho and what are some exciting new products we can look forward to seeing launched in, in 2020? Okay. There's a lot coming up. I mean, in fact, we just launched Zoho. Uh, we just launched Begin from Zoho CRM, which okay. is uh, 
Uh, it's a CRM built for uh, small and micro businesses. Uh, it's a pipeline, uh, pipeline-centric CRM, right, which is built specifically keeping in mind the needs of uh, small businesses, uh, you know, which is sort of getting some good attention. We just launched it uh, a week or two ago. And we have more stuff coming out uh, in the next quarter or so. Okay. Uh, again, the, the, again, the larger premise is to make this suite of software that we have more powerful, uh, offer more value for our customers, uh, and continue to have fun while we build it. So that's the principle we, we sort of stick with, and we will continue to come up with new products that we, that we think will solve problems that businesses have. And a lot of it just comes from our discussions with customers, uh, you know, when you have this and that, and you don't have something else, and you eventually get to know that there is a, uh, a void that, you know, customers have. And if we can uh, create something to solve that, you know, we try to do that. Nice. I'm assuming the next product will be in the, something in the remote space. You're going to build a whole ecosystem there. Oh, we already did that. <laughs> yeah. We just launched uh, Zoho remotely, our remote working toolkit oh, cool. in, the, in the first week of March. Yeah, it's a remote working toolkit with, I think, close to 11 applications. So everything from productivity and collaboration that you need at a as a distributed team uh, or to work from home is all there. And we launched it and due to the impact that we were seeing because of the COVID uh, situation, you know, we made it free until the 1st of July for everybody who signs up. And yeah, and we had, I think, close to what, 15, 20,000 companies already signing up in the first couple of months. Yeah. Wow. So we, we already did that. Yeah. Because we believe we have the right tools. We have the right capabilities. It was just about packaging it together and, and, you know, uh, solving it uh, for this need. Yeah. Awesome. And final question, where can our audience get in touch with you, learn more about what you're working on uh, or learn more about this product? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm usually active on Twitter. My uh, account is uh, Praval, at Praval, P-R-A-V-A-L. Uh, uh, yeah, so happy to get in touch, chat with folks so, and um, yeah, have fun. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Praval. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Akil. Thanks for having me. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com. Or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again and hope to see you guys on the next episode.